uh, the minefield. Uh, who's the minefield? The minefield will host. Will the minefield? The host will will talks about you all the time. Okay. Um, the last decade of podcasting. He's a global icon, not only for what you did. You did that loud. You should be loud. World class podcast. Seven. Seven basketball players in a row. Welcome to the minefield in F22. The greatest Bigfoot hunting, Bigfoot debunking, true crime, mindful meditation comedy podcast. In the world. It's season three. Give it up, ladies and gentlemen. The minefield. The minefield. Are the minefields? The minefield. Seven, seven, seven. The minefield. Seven, 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 seven basketball players in a row. Are the minefields? The minefield. It is episode seventy-two. I want to say a big shout out to all those naysayers who said we'd never make it past episode seventy-one. We have now. We're working on seven-two. That's right, folks. It's one of the world's biggest podcasts, and that's because of you and your support. Thank you so much. We love you guys. Me and the intern say, hey, guys. All right. How about a little bit of reader mail? Dear Will, love the podcast. I'm trying to get successful. I feel like your podcast is really successful. How can I do what you're doing? Sincerely, Burry. Why sharp. Very sharp. I'm hesitant to even talk about this right now, really, honestly, because not a lot of, and this change for me, really. People don't really realize what's going on in, in my life in uh, in terms of, you know, my enormous success in the success world and the, and the fiscal windfall and sort of hard work, networking and tapping into the vaguest ways that anyone can describe what they do for a living. So I think the best thing that I can do is say, I have become very successful because of this podcast financially. And I think that the best that I can do for a, someone who writes in and says they want to be successful like me, how can I do what you're doing? That it's about the way that you were born. You know, I started podcasting at a super young age without any prodding from my parents. You know, I worked a little bit as a seven, eight-year-old kid to buy gear to podcast. And I, I, I think the best thing that I can say to some, you know, to some of those who are listening to this podcasting magic that you're hearing from me now is that back then, not everything we did was great. And sometimes you're born into it, and sometimes you learn it. It happens a lot of ways. There's no, there's no one prescribed way to do things, to make things work, to be successful doing what we do. Also, the author of this letter, his name is Barry, or Barry, B-U-R-Y, Sharp. That is, to me, very unusual, but uh, I don't read the names ahead of time, and I guess I should. Barry, I'm thinking about this a lot because I'm thinking about a lot about my success and about how successful I've been doing some of the same things that you're doing. You know, I've signed up for the for the conferences. I've signed up for the meet and greets and the parties and the you know, get to know other people and network. And it's it hasn't worked for me yet. And I continue to do it 
And I also love to hear of an example of it working for, for a young writer. And that is the backstage meet and greet sort of relationship that you can create with one of your favorite writers. Now, I think the best thing we can do for you from here is to hit you with a blast of success. That's right. It is exactly what it sounds like. It's a blast of metaphysical success. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt at first. There, there's a burning. But that's, that's the medicine and the success working its way through your outer layer of skin. Through your skin. And there is a burning there. But you can feel as it starts to cross inside of your body, you can feel it really sort of take hold. And you realize that although it does sting, the little bit that's still left on you, you've got another minute and a half. It's not that, you know, we can survive this. Boy, we lean heavy on Beefro here at the minefield lately. Now that we've been talking Bigfoots, we lean heavily on the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization. It was founded in 1995. It's the only scientific research organization exploring the Bigfoot Sasquatch mystery. They're at Beefro.net, and they make a great point about the New York-Connecticut border. Important BF zone. Noted in this 2008 Class B report, heavy footsteps heard in the woods in vicinity of other sightings. Very squatchy area. Better than the average potential for an encounter with a hiker. Better than average potential for an encounter with a hiker. And I assume at that point that since she's talking about a very squatchy area, that she means that there's a better chance of encountering Sasquatch or a BF or a Bigfoot on these trails. So I've got to check it out. We put some money together. Uh, Listenership has been up and our check from Spotify keeps getting bigger and our checks from YouTube keep getting a lot bigger and uh, just begging us to kind of join and to kind of become part of YouTube. So we put up a couple of episodes and they've broken all kinds of records. So you can listen to some of the episodes on YouTube if you'd rather watch slash listen to YouTube. But the money is coming in and it's coming in fast. Okay, so we have a travel budget and I said, let's go there. You know, let's see if we can find a squatch, check out some of the more squatchy areas and see if we can find a BF. I can't imagine what some of these New Havenites have gone through over the years. It's been happening for years, really. I mean, we're talking Bigfoot sightings, Bigfoot vocalizations, real sightings that have been, you know, put into databases. So we're also talking UFOs. I mean, there's a lot that goes on there. But the Bigfoot history, oh my goodness. How about this? 1953, Shelton, Connecticut, along the banks of the Housatonic River in New Haven County. This tale of 
absolute horror. Just abject horror. This took place 53 years ago. However, I have lived with the vision of this creature my whole life, and have told no one about it. There were three of us, ages five or six, playing in the woods, and then we saw walking down the railroad tracks a seven-foot creature, skinny, hairy, long arms, body covered in dark brown grayish color, hair, and the face of a primate. We ran back home to tell our parents, who dismissed us. This event took place before there ever was a mention of anything like Bigfoot, especially in this area. Wait, is this where the New Haven Bigfoot history begins in 1953? Because the guy who's reporting this says that his experience happened before people even talked about Bigfoot. He says, especially in this area. Now you may say to yourself, hmm, mighty vague, could have been anything. Probably a person, probably a hippie, probably a wild person, probably a feral person, someone living out in the woods. But there's something about the account that I find fascinating. Three little boys in the woods, ages five to six years old, 1953, 9 a.m. on a sunny day in Shelton, Connecticut. They look down and they see along the railroad tracks a skinny, hairy, primate-faced, seven-foot thing on the track walking away from them. It turns back, it looks. They see its face. As vague and shaky as the story sounds, it honestly is what inspired me to look into the area. I'm not the first to do that, of course. Beefro was on the job. A follow-up investigation report was initiated by Beefro investigator D.A. Brake, Ph.D. It was a 30-minute phone interview with the witness, and... Honestly, after reading Brake's report, it's not judgmental. He doesn't say he or she, Brake, doesn't... I have a feeling it's probably a man. I don't see a woman wasting her time with this, but maybe so. But Brake's report is basically just reiterates the witness's original story. They're 50 to 75 feet off the track, down in a gully. They didn't hear this creature. This bipedal animal was seen 50 yards away walking along the, t- along the tracks, originally towards the group. They thought it was a guy in a monkey costume. And so they just watched him. And then suddenly the creature noticed them. It turned its upper torso toward them and maintained eye contact with them. Quiet, though. No vocalizations. It walked past the group, and they noticed that it had a forward-leaning posture. The animal will continue to walk north along the tracks until it disappeared out of view. 
Brake also says that he's received numerous reports near the railroad tracks, and it's possible that these creatures use the tracks as easy travel routes. Of course, Brake holds a PhD in immunology and attended the Maine 2008 Beefro expedition. So you heard it here first, folks. There is something going on in Connecticut. We're going Bigfoot hunting. And I want five Bigfoot scalps from each one. No, wait. Sorry. We're going Bigfoot hunting because you know what we're going to do? Right after we go Bigfoot hunting, we're going debunking. That's right. We're going to debunk everything that we find. So as vague and shaky as that story is, it's what's inspired me to look further into the area. That's why we're headed to Connecticut at the end of the month. We're going to Guilford. We're going to New Haven. And this trip is brought to you in part by BFRO, the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization, as well as Zaxby's in Baxley, Georgia, a fantastic location of the franchise down there in South Georgia. They've got AC. They've got clean bathrooms. They've got fantastic house-made blue cheese dressing. When you're in South Georgia, please visit Zaxby's in Baxley, Georgia. Whoops. Sorry about that. All right. Here's this. Nope. Not. That's none of your business. I told you I was fat. Oh, okay. The right one again. Okay, wait. Sorry. I can do this. And here we go. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for being with me. Thanks for being with us. We're all together. It's not just me. But right now it is just me, kind of. Yeah, yeah. We got to say bye for now. See you next week. You're leaving the minefield. <laughs>